We're getting ready to begin the sixth installment of the trials and tribulations of David HaMelech. And now we come face to face with the relationship of David and Yonatan and how that changed dramatically. But why did it change? Biker, I can't give the plot away just yet. Hmm. Let me just say, Yonatan does a complete 180 and David is grateful for the change of heart. It's never a dull moment with Biker and the Rabbi. Coming up. Hop on board. It's time for another trip with the biker and the rabbi. Today on Biker and the Rabbi, we explore part eight in our series about David and what can be learned from studying his life and challenges. And now, here's Biker. Welcome back to Biker and the Rabbi. Now, as I get set to discuss David one more time, and the trials and tribulations he endured regarding his relationship with Bathsheba. I have this theory about how... Hey, funny you should mention theory. I have a theory myself. Uh, nice toga there, guy. Just who are you? Pythagoras. You, you may have heard of me. Nah, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. Never heard that one before. Yeah, sorry. Couldn't resist. You're the guy with the triangles, right? Uh, yeah, that that's part of it. Didn't you pay attention in math class? To be honest, uh, not really. But as long as we're talking triangles, I have a real doozy of a triangle for you. Isosceles? Uh, no thanks. I just ate. <sighs> what kind of triangle? A relationship triangle. Though, truth be told, what went down was much more complex and nuanced. And... Unlike yours, where you can find answers through a simple equation. The Pythagorean Theorem. <laughs> yeah, nice plug. Hey, cut me some slack. I'm dead a long time, and most math classes probably don't even teach the theory anymore. Uh, may I continue? Yeah, 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 sure. This is a complicated triangle that has nothing to do with math. Well, maybe I'm wrong about that, because in this case, one plus one minus one ends up equaling two. Uh, how did you get there? It's the new math for biblical times. David changed the equation, and one side of the triangle was eliminated. Well, no need for my theory anymore if that's the case. But a big need for help with more than math. It's a dilemma that had people trying to solve it for hundreds of years. Do they need my help? Hmm. You're better with triangles on paper than the ones humans create, Pithy. Pithy? Well, what did people call you way back then? A lot of things, but never Pithy. All right, all right, don't be so touchy. Stick around. Let's open up the throttle and get set to ride one more time. So stop what you're doing. It wouldn't hurt you to listen a little. Okay, it's time to get into something really important about David Hamelach. We've spent a lot of time observing David and wondering what made him tick. He seems otherworldly, Rabbi Halpern, and yet we know he has some serious baggage. You mean baggage by the name of Batsheva and Oria? <laughs> yeah. With all that we know about David and how he minimizes ego in his attempts to be close to God, 
This one makes no sense. Actually, Biker, it makes perfect sense. And it's why David is so relatable to those of us who follow his life. Plus, this is part of his legacy in many ways. Uh, explain, Rabbi, please. Well, David's greatness, we agree, is his own self-negation. But this seems like such an ego-driven venture. The story doesn't fit the character. Why, Biker? Human is human, regardless of who we're discussing. Yosef had temptation. Incredible temptation. Plus, he knew his children were to come from Potiphar's wife's gene pool, just not from her directly. And yet Yosef resisted every advance. But what was Yosef's lesson? Why was he tempted? Uh, I think it was vanity began to overtake him, concentrating on his image, his looks, uh, things like that. Potiphar's wife was a correction for his vanity and a test for Yosef's character. Yosef's focus reached new heights after this victory. But David's test was different. Hmm, how so? David knew that prophecy has stated his heir and successor would be the son that would be born to him in Bathsheba, a woman of renown, famous for her excellence of character, no less than for her unsurpassed beauty. Except there was a teeny tiny problem. Uh, a problem by the name of Uriah. And he was Bathsheba's husband? Right, and now it gets complicated, so much so that it affects much of David's future. David would never willfully see that harm came to Uriah, would he? Not willfully, no. But when he sends Uriah out to battle, isn't that a little sketchy? It depends on your point of view. Uriah had previously met with David and insulted him. And remember, David's the king. Uh, that was probably a bad idea. By right, David could have put him to death for that one thing, but instead he sent him back to battle. Now, according to law, Bathsheba was compelled to divorce her husband Uriah so that if he would be missing in action, she would not be prohibited from remarrying. And then he's killed. But David still looks like the bad guy here. And the prophet Nathan lets him know that. In fact, he's told God will forgive him and help him climb the ladder of repentance, but his life would not be without misfortune. It would be a price to pay, a big one. When his firstborn son, when Bathsheba died, soon after birth, David knew to accept his punishment with humility. Wow, his life would make a heck of a movie. And don't forget, he still has battles to fight and lessons to learn. What? What? You mean there's more? A lot more. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll sum up David's legacy with a few surprises. Oh, I love surprises. Come back with us in just a moment, won't you? Okay, Rabbi, I'm ready. All through our journey detailing David's life, we've discussed one overriding idea, if you recall. Ego negation. It's the key to what places David in a very special category, and one which makes emulating him very hard. So, let's stay with this. Ego negation isn't the only path to success. What? Have you been hiding this little gem from us all this time? No, Biker, not at all. Just think about this. Plenty of egotistical people make it far, but the success is theirs only. So? So anyone without their talent can't do much to replicate it. But let's continue on this path and examine something even more incredible. Uh, this is pretty incredible already. David is different. How so? David teaches that greatness is available when one returns from the figurative wilderness. It happens when we can become the vessel for divine light and power when we don't stand in our own way. Ego negation. The return from failure, even colossal failure, is a tremendous opportunity for humility that makes us the vessel 
for the incredible greatness that has no ego to compete with. So that's why you said it's not the only path for success. Right. And that's why David's life is so important for us to understand and how it answers the question you always pose to me. Which one? There's so many of them. The one where you ask me, how can we be like David or Yosef or any of the other biblical greats? The answer is by ego negation. We have the path back even from difficult failure. David's life is proof of that. Rabbi, here's the thing. David interfered in the life of two people for different reasons. We can look at that and turn it positively for ourselves. Again, this is how David's life affects us all. We too fail. But with proper humility, we can get back on track and succeed. And this is a new part of our lesson from David as well. As we journey through life, we encounter situations that call our name. Yeah, I have relatives who are trying to tap me for things all the time. No, biker, that's not it. True leaders have the courage to look reality straight in the face. And David was a true leader. Shaul was told he'd made a critical error, but he fought back. And only when the prophet Shmuel criticized him a second time did he then agree that he had erred. But David didn't justify, excuse, or escape. He owned up 100% of the way. No matter how bleak things were, by honestly opening his heart to Hashem, he managed to make his way home. Don't let ego interfere. David lived a life of hardship and in many ways failure, but in the end he was rewarded. Rabbi, this has been an amazing ride. And we've just scratched the surface of a life that has so many layers and adventures. Well, Biker, I hope David's life shows you that all of us have flaws, but all of us also have role models to help us deal with those very flaws. And just because they were leaders didn't mean they were perfect. And as you see, our lives may be bumpy, but if we study people like David, we see how we can apply their lessons to our lives, and we can begin the quest to reach the same place that they did, that is, to live like giants. Can you sum up today's lesson for us as well, Rabbi? Sure. David teaches us that failure, we all know, can be a learning experience. But David's life shows us something much more profound. Failure is an opportunity to really face our weaknesses, to truly get a sense of humility and how we must rely on a higher power, namely God, to give us, grant us success. That is the lesson, ultimately, of King David's life. And so when you meet failure, when we meet failure, take it as an opportunity for ego negation, for humility, which is really most valuable asset on the path to living successfully. Thanks for being here today. I'll get your coat. It's time to go. Well, that about wraps up another podcast. It's great to have you with us, and we'd like to request two things. First, if you like these, please pass them along to friends and anyone you feel might enjoy the content. Second, if you have questions you'd like answered, or you just want to learn more, reach out to our recorded line at 303-820-2855. As always, a huge thanks to the Denver Colel for their support and the access to their resources. If you wish to support them in any way, visit their website at denvercolel.org. Colel spelled K-O-L-L-E-L. I'm Biker. For Rabbi Helper, thank you and God bless.